Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. We are back. We are in May. Uh, we are referring to ourselves as we, uh, third person, because that's what happens when you get to the dizzy heights that I have. Uh, so who knows, maybe one day you'll refer to yourself as we. Uh, so <laughs> no, I'm an I. I. Hi, Jackie. Uh, dizzy heights. You and me, Jackie. It's you and me. Uh, anyway, we don't need anyone else. That's fine. Uh, we can we can ask them. Oh, and Corin, Jackie, and Corin. There we go. Um, hey, uh, we are here. Um, we being me, Jackie, and Corin. Not necessarily me being not doing a third party, uh, third person referring to myself there. Um, and uh, I got myself some questions, and I'm going to get uh, cracking on this one because uh, time is money, people. So um, I'm looking well, am I? And real plastics. Look at that, uh, Jackie, Corin, and Naveen. If it is Naveen, um, right? What we got? We got. How can I avoid rippling when choosing an implant? I'm sure there was more to this question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Good to see you. Uh, how can I avoid rippling when choosing an implant? Okay, so um, wow. Okay, so there's there's different things that can cause rippling. So there's things, I guess. Let's let's split it into things related to the implant and things related to your body. So things related to the implant means the kind of how the implants filled how well the implants filled some people uh, some implants have got more kind of um, gel in them so a bit tighter so a bit firmer but uh, therefore less likely to ripple whereas some have less we're veering more towards a kind of firmer implant these days than they than the, what we used to use which means that they feel a little bit firmer but they are uh, they are they will tend to ripple less and they will also um be safer if the shell fails so it's always a trade-off with these things you know you've got to think there's always going to be you know how can i avoid rippling well you can have a firmer implant well then that's going to be a firmer implant so um there's always a trade-off with anything because if it was like i can avoid rippling by having this kind of implant everyone would have that kind of implant so there's got to be reasons people don't have that kind of implant the other thing is uh, smooth implants would tend to ripple a little bit more than the uh, rougher implants the more textured implants which become a bit more integrated um, probably the least kind of uh, cohesive fill would be a saline implant so saline implants would would ripple more we don't tend to use saline implants in this country uh, as far as I'm aware I, I've never really used them and I don't really know anyone who uses them uh, but uh, but anyway um, if, if indeed you did have a saline implant then moving to a silicone and certainly more cohesive gel implant with a rougher surface I find that poly I use a lot of the polyurethane foam implants um, which ripple less than say a smooth implant uh, but they have their own issues don't get me wrong uh, so I don't know if uh, uh, some people don't use them I know that um, because of their issues but i try and uh, give a balanced view to patients um in terms of the patient in terms of the patient's body the main thing is like how much cover you've got over the implant so if you're very slim 
it's great well done if you're slim well done you but it does mean that you are more likely to get rippling you're more likely to see the ripples of the implant what i do in the clinic i've got implants in here somewhere um what i do in the clinic is i kind of hold an implant up like that and i say look that's that's what they look like they all look rippled in the body the question is whether you can see that rippling and that really refer that that really depends on how much soft tissue you've co got covered over your chest um as a kind of easy marker what i normally say is that if i can see your rib cage if i can kind of go like that and i know i'm going to hit a rib if i look at you and i go boom i'm not i'm not going to hit a rib then i would say that um i would worry that i'd be able to see your implants basically and so um that, that in terms of rippling so i would worry you get more rippling so they therefore if you haven't got much cover over your body then uh, the main thing we can do is put them underneath the muscle so that's um, um probably really the main indication for putting the implants underneath the muscle if you have if you're very slim if you can see your rib cage then you're going to be putting those implants underneath the muscle to give them better coverage now let's be clear the muscle only covers it in the cleavage area muscle goes like that it's a pec major muscle so it only covers it in the cleavage area so it doesn't cover it laterally so you might still get some uh, rippling laterally so um that uh, is one way you can avoid rippling i know it's not related to particularly choosing the implant but it's a way that you can avoid rippling um the other thing you can do uh as well as or or indeed instead of putting them underneath the muscle is things like uh, fat grafting people are doing this now fat grafting over the top of the implant as i say some people are doing this hybrid i think they call it breast augmentation where instead of putting it under the muscle you would do uh, put the implant in and then do some fat grafting over the top which would give it an extra layer of cover over the top and um that would um make it less likely to have visible rippling uh it is quite an expensive procedure fat grafting and it is quite subtle in my hands so it's not something that i regularly do but it's definitely a thing that's uh seems to be sort of gaining popularity out there in the world this this hybrid breast augmentation by putting a bit of fat graft over the top of the implant and certainly for an established cause of rippling um there are there are not many things you can do except rather unhelpfully say to people if you put a bit of weight on that would help but that's um not very helpful really so um the only things you can do in an established case of rippling is really putting them under the muscle if they're not already under the muscle um and putting fat graft over the top of them but as i say that is subtle it can potentially damage the implant potentially introduce infection all sorts of things can can happen in a bad way for uh, if you are doing um fat grafting but that's probably the main way to fix uh, a case of rippling so um yeah have i done that have i answered that very well i don't know done my best uh always a balance always a balance rippling versus the risk of putting under the muscle which uh, uh has, has its own you know has its own risks so uh there are benefits of putting under muscle but there are risks of putting under muscle too uh, happy to expand on that if required if anyone's interested um uh, i've got a just early on i don't know i'm not sure i've been told looking at my questions no right i've been told i've got to advertise the see and treat clinic so i'm, I'm going to take this opportunity to advertise the see and treat clinic something we've been doing for a long time but um a bit like i'm trying to get it I i've done a uh, a brochure i made a brochure for it over the weekend uh very proud of myself you can see the brochure by going to bit.ly bit.ly um 
forward slash see and treat. Now I can write that in Facebook, can't I? I can write. All right, what have I done here? Please rate this chat. What? Oh, God. Press the wrong button. Okay. Um, I thought I could write. Can I write in the chat in Facebook? I don't think I can write in the chat in, uh, in Instagram. Well, I could write a comment. Maybe not. Okay. Well, if I could write a comment, that's what I'd write. Bit.ly forward slash C and treat. All one word. S-E-E-A-N-D-T-R-E-A-T. And you can look at, you can see the brochure, which I, yes, I designed and made uh, all my own work. And the, uh, again, I'll share this with you because we've not got many people here. I'll share this with you. What I'm trying to do in my own mind, this is what happens in my mind. I'm trying to be, think a bit like we buy any car. You know, we buy any car. They say, enter your edge number. Yeah. Enter your edge number. 30 seconds, you get a quote. And that's quite kind of catchy. Bang, done. Now, you'll see if you look at my brochure, I've actually got a five-step guide. I'm not happy about the five steps. I'm like, five steps? We barely car don't do five steps. So it says, like, send us your photo of your mole. This is for seeing treaters for, like, moles and cysts and things we can do at the local anaesthetic of the clinic. So it's like, send us your photo of your of your mole. Um, um, by WhatsApp or email. And then... Uh, We'll get back to you with a quote and what can be done. And then you book your CM tree appointment, then you have your CM tree appointment, and then we look after you and then like that. And that's five steps. I think five steps is wrong. We buy any cars, just got one step, isn't it? Just send us your reg number now. You know, send us your reg number now and you get a quote. Is it is that a song? Maybe it's not a song. No. Anyway, that's what they say. And I'm like, Send us your WhatsApp picture now. So I feel like I should just say, "What? send us a WhatsApp picture. Not by email, not by phone. WhatsApp, a picture of your mole or tattoo or cyst or lipoma, whatever. And we'll get back to you, you know. Um, but I don't know how to sort of... Anyway, it's work in progress. But uh, yeah, bit.ly forward slash C and treat. Check out the uh, brochure. Let me know what you think. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so I've got to promote that on this, although none of the questions are relating to that. So I did say, if you want me to promote it, put questions related to it. Yeah, that's how you promote it. But anyway, that's what I'm dealing with. Um, okay, this question. How long after breastfeeding can I have a breast augmentation? Uh, so I say minimum six months after finishing breastfeeding because your breasts will change in size and shape and they need to sort of recover, if you like, after breastfeeding. Um, or when you are breastfeeding, they get bigger. They they swell up uh, with the milk. And then when you stop breastfeeding, they um, involute. They sort of get smaller and they can droop. They can You can lose shape. You can lose volume. But it's unpredictable to what degree they're going to involute or get smaller or, or, or droop or what have you so you kind of need to get really get the maximally you know uh, involuted before you would want to do breast augmentation because if they get even smaller you would maybe put a bigger implant in or if they droop more you might put a different shaped implant in so you really need to get them to a stable position so i would say six months is minimum the other thing you've got to consider with this question is that you've got a small child at home 
So it can be difficult looking after a small child if you're having breast augmentation. So I normally say, for me, I think if the child's about a year old, that's a little bit easier to manage because they're kind of like walking, hopefully around that sort of time. It's a little bit easier to manage. So um, those two things might, may or may not fit together. You know, obviously with breastfeeding for six months, then when, wait for six months, that will be a year. But, you know, I normally say a year is kind of what you're looking at. Now, I completely understand that... Um, maternity leave is a year so a lot of people want to have it done within their maternity leave so what are people want to have done surgery within that time so it's not written in stone you can have it done within that time but if you ask me from a surgical point of view i would say usually a year after birth six months after breastfeeding is kind of the sort of time scale i'd be looking at but different for everybody you can't really generalize too much because everyone's different and some people's breasts might take a little bit longer to settle and if your breast is taking a little bit longer to settle you might want to wait a bit longer if your breasts have settled quite nicely you might think actually they've settled they're stable they're not going to get any um smaller or any more droopy so i'm happy to to have it now so it is a bit variable but six months after breastfeeding is kind of like my uh my ballpark uh, would I need to have my gastric band deflated prior to having surgery fleur de -lis? So yeah, good one. This is someone who's asked the other day. What I would say to this is I've, I've asked this patient to talk to their gastric band person because I think I got the impression there was talk of them having it adjusted. So if you are having your gastric band adjusted, if they are trying to get it right, then you need to have this done prior to having surgery because you do not want to have weight fluctuations after surgery. So if they are thinking of doing things to your gastric band, then I would say, yes, you need to have it uh, deflated. Uh, you need to have it uh, stabilized, stabilized prior to having surgery. Now, um, if you've had the gastric band in for years and you haven't had it you know changed and they're just kind of kind of leaving it where it is um personally i think it's absolutely fine to leave it there we would and we are going to speak to the anesthetist the problem with the um the reason the question is asked because you don't want to have a kind of um uh, a tight gastric band which is going to increase your risk of uh uh, aspiration being sick sort of thing and then bringing it up into your lungs so that is the that is the worry about having a very tight uh band but as i say i wouldn't i don't routinely tell people to get it deflated prior to having uh surgery if they've had it in for a long time and they're stable with it um i haven't got a strong view on it uh we would let the anesthetist know to see if the anesthetist would want that to happen but from a surgical point of view, as long as your weight is stable, that's the main thing that I'm concerned about is the uh, we don't want any significant weight fluctuations after surgery. And so you really need to be stable with your uh, with your weight, with your band <clears throat> in that respect. I want a brachioplasty, but I'm wondering if it's possible to extend the brachioplasty to remove my saggy back boo area too. Yes, it is. So a, a brachioplasty, a normal sort of standard brachioplasty goes from below the elbow here and then as a kind of L shape in your armpit. Uh, but it is possible to take the side, what are, you, what are you calling it, a saggy back boob area. So the side bit here, so you can extend it down onto your lateral chest wall to take that excess skin uh, from there. Um, I mean, it does give quite a long scar that goes uh, from uh, just above the elbow down onto your chest wall, but uh, but it's perfectly reasonable to do that. It is quite a big operation, um, uh, as any of these sort of body contouring operations are. But uh, yeah, I uh, that that is uh, an acceptable uh, extension of a brachioplasty to take the lateral chest to tighten the lateral lateral chest wall. Uh, 
We're getting through these, aren't we? Um, right, you know what? I think I'll have a mint. Uh, do you... Oops, there you go, mint. Dumb. Uh, do you have a catheter during breast enlargement surgery? No. I don't have i don't give people a catheter for any it was definitely no for breast or enlargement surgery breast enlargement surgery is an hour long so uh, there's no need for a catheter as a general i don't like like putting tubes in and things it's an increased risk of, of uh, infection and things so try and avoid tubes uh, and bits and bobs like that i mean if you are thinking would you have a catheter that would be more for bigger operations things like maybe combined procedures tummy tucks and and breast procedures but even then we tend not to use a catheter what we might do for a longer operation as i say we wouldn't do this for breast augmentation but for a longer operation like for instance a tummy tuck and a um and a breast procedure like a breast augmentation or a breast reduction or something we might do an in and out catheter at the end of the operation simply for comfort because we don't want you to wake up in the recovery and be bursting for the loo and you can't really move very well you can't get up very well so we would perhaps do an in and out at the end of the operation so you empty your bladder so put the catheter in empty your bladder and then take the catheter out so you when you kind of wake up it's not really in it's not in there but um but we don't leave the catheter in the um one thing obviously because you've got a tube going to you know it's another bit of plastic inside your body with a risk of infection and things but the other thing is after this sort of surgery, we kind of want you to move. We, we kind of want you to get up and about. So nothing too crazy, but certainly going to the loo is actually not a bad thing. So um, if you were kind of an extremist and you couldn't move and you were in retention and you couldn't wee, yes, you could have a catheter. But I can't. I, that, that just doesn't happen. I'll, I'll be honest. It that doesn't really happen. Um, can't remember the last time we've done a catheter. And that's for the bigger operations I'm talking about. For breast enlargement, it would be pretty much unheard of, I would say um having a uh, having a catheter because as i say operation is only an hour so you're only out of action for a couple of hours so you don't need to go to loo in that couple of hours you know these bigger operations take five or six hours so you know we're giving you fluid during the operation so you know those ones are a bit more reasonable to think about catheters because you really don't want you waking up being bursting for the loo but for a breast enlargement that's not going to happen so um so yeah it's a it's a definite no for breast augmentation uh and it's a potential in and out for the bigger bigger operations and i can't think of any operations where i would leave it in dwelling i think sometimes i seem to remember i have had patients kind of request it because they're worried about going to the loo afterwards and certainly uh, and, and you know that, that's understandable so you know i would say to them you've got to keep moving and then maybe take it out uh, you know earlier the next morning after the operation if a patient requested it if they knew that they were potentially going to need to go to the loo a lot and they didn't want to have that if they just had a big operation <clears throat> so we would uh, um we would sort of honor that if, if someone requested it and, and that has happened but it's pretty rare as a general rule you don't need a catheter for this for any of these kind of ops um how effective is lowering the pocket on a high riding implant uh, well that's like saying how effective is surgery i mean yeah i mean you hope it's effective um i mean a high riding implant in my hands is usually for implants underneath the muscle um i normally say to people i think this stat probably would hold hold true i hope it would whenever you kind of make up stats in your own head 
you usually find you hope, hopelessly under underestimate the uh, true incidence. But anyway, I in with, with that in mind, I normally say about once a year I have to lower a set of implants, um, and they're pretty much always under the muscle. So a high riding implant is usually a problem with an implant underneath the muscle, um, with the muscle holding the implant high, um, and you need to lower it. However, I'm gonna, to be, I'm going to have had cases um, where it hasn't been effective. So I have had cases where I've lowered it and it's still stayed high and things like that. So, um, you know, it, it, but that that's like, like, you know, any surgery can be, um, can kind of fail. Um, but I, I, you know, one go into surgery thinking it's going to fail. It usually is, it usually works. Um, I don't know what to say, how effective is lowering the pocket. I mean, it's not a common operation, you see, so I don't really have big numbers of it but it but it's yeah usually effective i mean what what i try and do so you do an inferior capsulotomy so you make a uh, you make an incision in the capsule from three o'clock to nine o'clock to the lower the lower half moon of the capsule to, to let the implant come down and usually there's a little bit of muscle still attached in the lower pole which is pulling the muscle up so you'd go and release that bit of muscle as well because as i said it's pretty much always with the implants under the muscle um so um yeah, that is what you do, and you would hope that it works, and it usually does. That's really unscientific, isn't it? I, I don't know if you want a number or something, but yeah. The thing is, if you've given it time to settle and it hasn't settled, what else are you going to do? You got, and if it doesn't, then you have you might have to try again. And uh, as I say, I have had the, I have been in that um, unenviable situation where I've had to try again. I've had to do it and try again, but uh, fortunately not commonly. I've had a breast reduction and lift. Yeah, well, breast reduction and lift, that's a breast reduction is a lift. I was an H cut, but now I wished I'd had implants to make them more fuller. Could anything be done to make them more fuller above the nipple area? Well, yeah, you could have uh, implants. And this is, the, this is the thing about breast reductions and lifts, really um you got to be you got to be kind of aware about what sort of shape can be achieved with this sort of surgery because when you have natural breast tissue it always settles and i try and make it quite clear with patients what sort of shape can be achieved with uh, a, a breast reduction and a lift um as I say, they're the same operation, a breast reduction and a lift. It's just a reduction makes them smaller and lifted, whereas a lift just makes them lifted and keeps them the same size. But the point is that when the tissue is pushed up up high, which it is with these operations, it doesn't stay. It always settles. And um, so you have to kind of try and manage the expectations prior to surgery to make it clear to patients that you won't get that fullness up there like at least when you take, you can wear a bra and push it up, but you could do that even before you have surgery. But when you when you've done the surgery, they always settle, and um, and the the sort of look that people are, are perhaps thinking of when they think of having this sort of surgery is with uh, it, it, they're in their mind they've got um, um, they've got breast implants. The look that you get with breast implants, and you can't get that look without implants. You can't get from the nipple up, you can't get a bump. You know that bump? You get a, you get that sort of shape. 
Yeah. Not that sort of shape. So you get a concavity, not a convexity in the upper pole with a normal natural breast with breast tissue. It always settles to a concavity in the upper pole. Uh, if you want a convexity in the upper pole, if you want a bulge in the upper pole, that has to be an implant. You can't get that with a breast lift or a breast reduction. You can get it in the first couple of months for sure. But then once the tissues settle in my hands, it pretty much always settles to that sort of convexity. And if you want that fullness, that has to be an implant. The problem you've got in these patients, particularly breast reduction patients, is that an implant is going to make you bigger. So my advice, and this is a personal thing, I don't, I don't know, you know, everyone's going to have their own views on this. My feeling on this is that I would not recommend having implants just to get that fullness in the upper pole. I would say, look, it's a natural, it's natural, it's how it looks kind of accept it if you are happy with the size and particularly if you don't want to be bigger if you don't mind being bigger then maybe you could consider it but if you want to be smaller so if you want a breast reduction if you want smaller breasts don't start thinking about having implants because implants are going to make them bigger and then you get into a situation where you have to think about having implants to get the shape in the upper pole but then actually reducing the breast more to accommodate the volume that the implant's going to take so you're actually taking away healthy breast tissue and replacing it with implant, which is not something that uh, I particularly like the sound of and I don't particularly recommend. It is something that could potentially be done. It's, 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 a, it's doable, but um, I just don't think it sounds right taking out healthy breast tissue and replacing it with implant. Because then if you get rippling or you see the edges or you feel the edges or the implants go hard or you get a problem with the implant, you have to remove the implant, then you've lost that breast volume. So I don't like the thought of, removing healthy breast tissue and replacing with implant but as this patient has said it's the only way to get sustained fullness in the upper pole is with an implant so you kind of need that discussion with them ideally pre-op so you don't get an unhappy patient after a breast reduction or a lift saying hold on a minute why do they still look droopy um because i've certainly had patients coming to see me saying oh i had a breast reduction at so and so and you know they've done, they, they've done, done a good job i need another breast reduction i look at them or another another lift I look at them and think, no, you don't. That's actually what it should look like with a lift. But you weren't aware of that before having the surgery. You kind of had in your mind a sort of look that cannot really be achieved with a breast reduction. Um, but that wasn't really conveyed to you or you didn't really acknowledge that. Um, and that's why you're unhappy because you've actually got a good result from your breast reduction or lift. And it's the, really the limitation of the procedure rather than the result that's caused your unhappiness um a lot of this work is about trying to sort of get pe patients on side before you do the operation so that they kind of expect what they're gonna get uh, a lot of the problems come when they don't get what they expected they were going to get and sometimes you look at them and think actually that's kind of what i expected you were going to get and obviously not in my practice, but you know, in other people, you know, and 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 if it does happen, and you know, obviously it has happened to me. When it does happen, you kind of think, well, that's a failure of the consultation process rather than a failure of the operation, because I haven't made it clear to you that's kind of what I expected them to look like. Um, if you're unhappy with that, you know, I, you know, I can look at results sometimes and think, oh, I've not done well. 
you know, if the patient didn't say anything, I'd be quite happy and go merrily along my day. Um, but then you actually talk to the patient, heaven forbid, and they're like, well, rubbish, you know. And you think, what? You think it's rubbish? I thought it was really good. And that is why I think it's important to spend time with the consultation. And I do spend a lot of time with the consultation, go over things again and again to make sure people are happy with what the plan is to try and avoid that sort of, oh, it looks rubbish afterwards if I think it looks okay. Managing expectations, that is one of the most difficult parts of the job. It's up there with doing the surgery, you know, obviously doing the surgeries. Another challenging part of the job, full of challenging of challenges. Um, what are your thoughts on non-surgical lifts? Who are they good for? Big shout out to whoever asked this question because they've asked it on the story where we put that little button that says ask me a question. And actually, I think some of these questions tonight were from last week. Was it half term? Anyway, if I was here last week, someone put on this, two people actually put on the sticker that we put out and I failed to notice it until afterwards, which I do feel terrible about. But this one, uh, we have noticed this one uh prior to the uh to the to the, the q a so i can i can incorporate it so if uh you're out there thank you for asking this question uh and also if you're out there what you talk about non-surgical lifts what are your thoughts on non-surgical lifts who are they good for are we talking breast lifts here non-surgical breast lifts you know having said thank you for this and having said acknowledging that i did notice this question earlier you would have thought i would be prepared for it wouldn't you uh, you would have thought I'd at least Googled it. But oh no, I just come straight into this without so much as a. I mean, what's a non. Do they do non surgical breast lifts? Is there such a thing as a non surgical. I'm going to get humiliated and shown up like I was the other week with. What was it the other week? Some kind of FUPA. Was it FUPA someone put? Everyone knew what it stood for except me. Oh, God. Fat pad removal. Anyway. Don't want to bring that up again, but uh, no. so non-surgical breast lifts. What's that? Well, I don't even know what. Not. So, OK, so I'll try and let's just try and get through this question. So non-surgical, what do I, why don't we just expand this on non-surgical stuff? Yeah, because they do like non-surgical stuff like nose, don't they? Liquid rhinoplasty, non-surgical rhinoplasties and stuff. So non-surgical stuff. Uh, my thoughts on non-surgical stuff. Let's make it that, that, that. Make that the question. I think it is a massively. Well, I know it's a massively growth industry. I don't think it is, and I completely understand why it's a massively growth industry. If I was having something done, if anything could be done to improve this, which clearly they could, it couldn't be. But let's just let's just let's just you know expand our minds and just assume something could be done. Um, if I was having something done and they said to me. Do you want a non-surgical thing or do you want a surgical thing? I'd be like, non-surgical, right? I don't want surgery. The market for non-surgical stuff is apps is is every, every let's face it, is everyone. The market for non-surgical, whatever it is, is everyone in the world, pretty much, you know. Um, whereas the market for surgery is like that many people, hardly, you know, very, very small portion. So I love the thought of non-surgical stuff. However, I don't do any non-surgical stuff. Why doesn't he do any non-surgical stuff? Well, the, the the thing is, in fact, I did a blog post about this a while ago called Less is More. No, Less is Not More. <laughs> less is Not More. 
or anyway, something along those lines. Let, yeah. Does that make sense? Less is more. Anyway, the point is everybody wants less. They want less scarring, less downtime, um, uh, you know, less risks. And obviously, I mean, as, as practitioners, we want that as well. You know, we want everyone wants less. If I could do something with less scarring and less downtime and less risks, I would definitely do that rather than the thing with more scarring and more downtime and risk. The problem is it's less of a result. So that's what I'm getting to. It's less of a result. So if there is some kind of non-surgical breast lift, let's just say there is, um, it's going to be less of a result. That's 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 my thought. So who's it good for? Someone who doesn't need much of a lift is what I would say. I'm trying to think how they would kind of tighten the skin. Maybe they do something to the skin. I don't know. Um, but I'm not aware of a non-surgical breast lift. Is it assuming you are talking about a non-surgical breast lift? But if there is one, I'm suspecting it's going to be less a result. But you might not. You might only need a little result. So you might be happy with it. The problem I've got, and certainly for a lot of the other non-surgical stuff, the problem I have found with it is it's quite expensive. That's the problem. If it was cheap, I think people would expect uh, accept a marginal result. But I found it's often quite expensive, like these machines and stuff you can buy. They're often quite expensive and the results are subtle. And for me, I think that's more difficult to kind of sell, if you like. I think, um, you know, you're going to be more likely to have unhappy people if they've paid thousands of pounds for something and it's a subtle result. Uh, again, it comes back to patient expectation and talk to patients and things. But the, I guess the problem is if you've paid thousands of pounds of, for this machine or whatever it is, you kind of need to get patients through in order to justify the expense to sort of um, make it a, 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 a worthwhile thing to do. So you've got that balance there with obviously you want to have happy patients. Obviously, you don't want to do things on people who aren't good candidates. But at the same time, you've got to, you know, make it work. And and that's the challenge I've, I, I kind of don't want to get into um surgery doesn't really have kind of so much of that cost um you know if, you know particularly because i don't run the theaters and stuff so it kind of doesn't matter so much i don't kind of lose money if i'm not doing surgery i don't have that that uh, that cost like you would have of a machine and and also it gives quite dramatic um demonstrable results when i've seen people demonstrating results of non-surgical things um in terms of i'm thinking more about the body contouring things and, and the, the the sort of um lipos liposculpture i think they call it um it's quite subtle and it's expensive as i say if it was subtle and cheap i think you could have you could justify it but often it's like almost as expensive as surgery and whilst i understand why people even if it was the same price as surgery would choose it because they don't want surgery i completely understand that they're potentially going to be cheesed off if the results are like non-existent i mean if they're you know, they might accept subtle ones but if it's not non-existent they're going to be cheesed off in fact they might be cheesed off with subtle ones if they haven't been counseled properly off the bat um so that's my thoughts on non-surgical stuff um and uh, i would say that those thoughts would um, uh, um qualify for non-surgical lifts if we're talking facelift uh, Breast lift. If we're doing facelifts, yeah, there are non-surgical facelifts, but I'm I, I'm assuming they're doing breast lifts because I'm a breast kind of guy. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's my sort of, sort of non-surgical stuff. I would I, I'd love. Do you know what? I would. Well, would I love to just be a non-surgical person? I don't know. Maybe I would. 
I wouldn't mind doing a bit anyway. If I had half of my work was non-surgical and half was surgical, that would be all right. Um, but it's all surgical at the moment. It's just stressful. I'll be honest with you. All that expectation stuff, it's stressful. But, you know, don't worry. I've made my bed, so I've got to lie in it. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, that's my view on non-surgical stuff. I tell you what, thank God I have some questions because uh, I haven't had any live. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, that's it for my questions. I'm out of questions. Um, if you've got any questions, feel free to comment on this. Oh, here we go. Katie's got a question. Would you remember? Here we go. And it's a see and treat question. Love it. Katie, right. Would you remove a small milia bump right by the eyelash line? Right. First thing I'd say to Katie is... We have a see and treat service. So go to bit. I can comment. I can comment. Go to bit. I can comment on Instagram. Dot. L Y. Forward slash. C. And. Treat. To. Download. Our. Go to bit.lc and treat to download our brochure on our CN treat clinic, which I did over the weekend. I made it. Okay. Uh, we've got like a designer uh, who, who was busy and she said it will take three weeks before she can do it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take matters in my own hands, which I've done. And I uh, have done it. Anyway, sorry, I will ask you a question. Yes. Uh, so right by the eyelash line. Well, um, probably if it now if it's something like the ophthalmologist like if it's a sty or something like that we would probably say um the ophthalmologist or if it's a calasian you know those cysts you get by the eyelash line we probably get the ophthalmologist to deal with it but if it is just a small little milia near the eyelash the fact that it's near the eyelash line is absolutely fine we can deal with things on the eyelash line on the eyelid we can remove uh, lumps, bumps, moles, skin tags, bits and bobs around that area. Absolutely fine. We would kind of just make sure it wasn't something like a calasion or um, a sty. So, Katie, what you can do is, I don't know if you hear earlier with the We Buy Any Car analogy, um, you know We Buy Any Car says, send us your rage number now. WhatsApp us a photo now. Yeah, that that's our, we're going to, we, we, we're moving into the We Buy Any Car market. But we, instead of send us your uh, reg number, it's like send us a photo and we'll give you an opinion. So WhatsApp, WhatsApp us now. So on my brochure, when you download my brochure, there's going to be little links. I hope they work. The little green bits at the bottom of it says send us a photo. We've got to think of a catchy line. Haven't quite got the catchy line yet. We buy any car.com. We remove any bump.com. Write it down. Check out we remove any bump.com. See if that web domain is available. Um, we remove any lump or lump.com. Yeah. We remove anything. No, not anything, because that could be like some glass for their bath to be removed or something. Anyway, we Katie, WhatsApp a submit photo. We'll have a look at you and get back to you within 30 seconds, not quite 30 seconds, 30 hours. That doesn't sound so good, does it? 30 hours. Yeah. Simply WhatsApp your photo and we'll get back to you in 30 hours. Mm. Sounds rubbish, that, doesn't it? 
or 48 hours if it's a weekend. Yeah, that's rubbish. Anyway, we won't, we won't guarantee when we get back to you. Uh, we remove any lump.com. We remove any. Anyway, so yeah, just the fact that it's by the eyelash is fine, Katie. We can deal with uh, things near the eyes. We are uh, plastic surgeons after all. And uh, we're fine with that. Thank you for asking a question, by the way. If anyone else has got a question, they can do what Katie's done and just put it on there. If it's about saying see and treat, even better, because I can promote the fact that I've done a uh, a um oh here we go. Type something. Type something in here. I'll type it in Facebook like bit ly forward slash C and treat. So please check out my brochure. What does that mean? Host chat and all that means public. Anyway, please check out my brochure. Let me know what you think. If I can, if I can improve it, just let me know because I made it so I can improve it. I can just go back to Canva and just ad adapt it. So if you've got any feedback, let me know and I can change it. Not like the other one where we have to get the, you know, it's all on a PDF, so the design have to change it all. So um, you know, be very responsive to any feedback on that. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. Um, I'm not digressing, I'm just going on. So thank you all for being here. Uh, very uh, grateful for your um, attention. If you do have any questions that uh, you want me to answer, then just message me on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Let's not forget we're on YouTube. We're live on YouTube. So uh, just comment in the, in the comment bit or uh, private message me on one of the uh, uh, aforementioned um, vehicles and I will be very happy to get back to you. But for now, I'm going to let you get on with your evening. I'm going to say, uh, bid you a very good night. And um, until next week, have a wonderful week. I hope the weather isn't so labile as it is at the moment. I hope it brightens up a bit. And um, yeah, hope we're going to have a Barbie this weekend or something. So um, yeah, I guess I'll sign off. I'm going to stop the stream on Facebook question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you